Grace, mercy, and peace from our Creator and our Lord Jesus Christ and our Sustainer, the Holy Spirit, be with you all. So tonight's reflection comes from um, a resource that we're using, which is, the resource is actually called Barn Geese Worship. It's a group of ecumenical pastors that come together and, and write certain things. We've used them in the past, but this resource piqued my interest because it talked about the seeds of joy. That's the theme, the seeds of joy during Lent. It seems odd to think of Lent in the light of joy. It goes against most everything I've ever interpreted Lent to be. We usually mark Lent by fasting, uh, repentance, giving up something meaningful or at least pleasurable so that we might walk along Jesus as he turned his face to the cross. But then it occurred to me, just because he turned his face to the cross, we can assume that joy still surrounded him in his healing, in his teaching, in his building of relationships with his siblings, those who followed him and believed in him. So as we think about a season of, well, seeds of joy in a season of Lent, let me ask you a few questions. What helps you appreciate and recognize joy when it arrives in your life? How does your joy function as an answer to that which came before? And how does your joy help you resist the forces that would steal it or otherwise damage your relationship with God and other people? A lot to think about, I know. Those were definitely rhetorical. I don't expect answers today unless you feel like writing something down and I'll accept those at the door. Just kidding. There are times that we've all struggled, right? Especially finding joy along failure or calamity. I've shared with you before that in my first career as a salesman, I experienced dark places of self-doubt and anxiety. Because I was fired for not selling enough. And the pressure I felt to provide for my family placed me in an emotional downward spiral. Even though I felt loved as a husband and a father, I kept on asking God, why is this happening to me? Joy was hidden from me. Or at least it was hard to find. Because of the expectations I had, the, the expectations I felt from society, that one was only successful if they reached a certain economic status, caused me to feel like a failure. Until the comforting love of God shown through my wife, my family, my church, my faith, finally brought me out of that downward spiral. God's love, mercy, and forgiveness are always present and inviting us to rest in the embracing hands of our Creator. 
I couldn't find joy that God offers in life until I set aside my misguided perception of self-value based solely on financial achievement and realizing my value is based on God's love. We are all beloved children of God. God's grace and forgiveness are the seeds of joy. The author of our reflection writes this. It may seem weird to begin a worship series about joy with Ash Wednesday, but Ash Wednesday is the best possible way to begin. Our Ash Wednesday rituals do not necessarily prime us for a joyful, filled experience. Rather, the readings for Ash Wednesday lean into what would traditionally what we would traditionally associate with a season of fasting and long list of privations and disappointments and frustrations and human limitations. What joy is there in that? As you'll discover this season, these experiences often help us recognize joy when we truly experience it. Joy does not require suffering or disappointment. Hear that again. Joy does not require suffering or disappointment. But when we live through times like those, we know how to appreciate times of joy's sudden abundance. Joy has a sequence like that, a pattern. It does not always bloom. Today's texts help us identify that the occasional ebb of joy means that an experience of joy requires timing. In the sequence of joy, a period of something not joyful sets the stage for a sudden joyful revelation. Our first reading from Joel acts as something of a backwards invitation, not to joy necessarily, but to the forgiveness the prophet hopes will set the, the stage for joy. Fearing the, on, fearing the coming judgment of God, the prophet invites the people to enter a time of contemplation and scarcity. As they seek God's forgiveness, the prophet relies on this age-old pattern of repentance in hope that the people will yet again experience the steadfast, patient, eagerly forgiving love of God. In their present state, they feel far from God's grace. But all it takes is a little forgiveness to trigger God's reflective, joy-filled presence. In Psalm 51, the psalmist feels the kind of obvious, embarrassing humiliation that comes with recognizing that, we, that what we have done might be wrong. The writer feels born guilty, filthy, dirty, crushed. We heard in verses 5 through 8. What joy comes from healing mercy of forgiveness? It is like restoration. Or a, a newfound wisdom, wisdom. Or the return of the lost. Or being able to sing again, as we heard in verses 12 through 15. Then in our gospel text from Matthew, Jesus calls the faithful to hide their obvious shows of piety. What joy comes from washing your face so that your fasting will not be obvious to the world? It is like a secret reward 
the quiet delight that comes from the knowledge that God who sees in secret will reward you. In every corner of these Ash Wednesday readings, we find a biblical roadmap to joy. It follows an experience of God's it follows the experience of God's absence and emerges the moment that we rediscover the fruitful kernel of our faith after trying way too hard for no reward. Joy follows the painful. Shocking recognition of our abject sin and emerges in the moment we receive God's forgiveness. Joy follows occasions of social jeopardy and personal calamity that bursts forth when we harvest unshakable life in a moment that could have once done us in. So I ask you, what must be set aside for you to feel truly joyful? Tonight, as we receive these ashes on our brows, it is a reminder that we are here for only a small amount of time. We are dust, and to dust we shall return. Let them also remind us that worldly treasures are also made of dust. Anything of this world will, will rust and be moth-ridden. These ashes may also represent everything that separates us from God's love and joy. But know this, these ashes are placed in the same spot where the Holy Spirit claims us and seals us as the beloved. Let these ashes remind us the Holy Spirit marked us in our baptism with God's indelible love. Remember tonight, it is God's breath that first moved over the waters and calmed the chaos. It is the same breath God's breath, which now sustains us and has moved into our lives and gifts us that life. This is truly who we are, God's beloved children. This is the spirit that strengthens us for what we are called to do and gives us joy. Thanks be to God.